This is the Free Mythical Podcast, episode 236 from Textiles to the Carabao Cup final. I am your host, Kojo. I've got two superb guests. I had three, but um, a fan of a certain club just couldn't make it for whatever reason. Hey, man, I'm not here to give them excuses. As far as I'm concerned, if you're watching on camera, you know what shirt I'm wearing. If you're listening, you know what shirt I'm wearing. But let's get started with the show anyway. <laughs> Yes, and I'm indeed your host, Kojo. As I said, and I've brought two wonderful people with me. One is a returning guest, and when you've been, you've been here more than once, you're actually just an honorary member of the Freeman for podcast. So, Brother Rich, how you doing, bro? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing okay. It's been a difficult season so far for us, but um, all in all, I'm good, bro. Yeah, good, good. You're in good spirits, and we'll delve into that as well, because um, a couple of things I didn't know about your club this season... I found out this week. So it's going to be an interesting one about Crystal Palace. For everyone that, that knows, Rich is from the Eagle-Eyed Ball podcast as well. Um, so check them out, subscribe to their stuff. And we have a first-time guest. I've been thinking about getting her for a while, but I wanted her to come on when United are in a good spot. It had to be the right time. That, that is shameless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's some of my best work is done when we've been down bands. I hear, lie. It. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. But that that time's over. That time's over. Finish. It's time to smile. It's time to smile. Um, Rans is in the building. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Fresh, obviously. Fresh off a trophy and that. On to mm. the next. Boys already in office today. Serious business happening at the moment, man. Serious business. We love it. Serious business indeed. And of course, she's delighted because we'll go straight into it. Manchester United played Newcastle. In the Carabao Cup final, final score Manchester United 2, Newcastle nil. It was a very entertaining game, in my opinion. You know, uh, Newcastle was trying to you know, bring the energy and physicality to the game. Man United were very tactical. Uh, the better side won, in my opinion. Um, but of course, I'm only here to host right now. I can't let my absolute bias come to the table. So I'm going to let Rand's absolute bias come to the table instead. Um, <laughs> go for it. Let me know how you felt about the game and um, the approach that you, you may not took. First of all, I would like to say it's a tactical masterclass because Eric chucked out the dig on Thursday, Newcastle Friday morning. Newcastle only sit back, they only play football one way. We got now to break. And what did they do? Like idiots, they came out and tried to win the game playing football. If they didn't play football, they probably would have had a better result. But because they got baited into playing football, that made it easy for us overall. The game, I actually thought we were really poor, especially the first half. I thought we were really bad. Like, even in transition, we weren't good. Um, Dallow really struggled against ASM. Like, Dallow was getting his pants pulled down. I was like, oh, my God. Um, uh, I thought Fernandez really struggled to get into the game because he was having to do a lot of running because I, I guess he was playing Weghorst up front. So, and Rashford, they were, like, switching in the middle. So Fernandez has to do a lot of covering for both of them. And so he couldn't do his pressing the way that he normally does. And I found him kind of behind attacks often, which I wasn't really happy about. But then we hit the, we hit the got the free kick, beautiful ball by Luke Shaw and Casemiro put it away, which is why you need people who know how to win finals in your team. That is exactly the most important reason why people like Varane and Casemiro are like, gold dust to Man United, like literally we have people who are serial winners, people who win all the time and they know how 
to keep calm under pressure. And that's what that goal did for us. Literally, I think we scored five minutes later for the second goal. That was it. Game done. Newcastle weren't going to score and they knew they weren't going to score. And I think they kind of stopped trying after that. So overall, it wasn't, I didn't think it was the best spectacle, especially on our side. We didn't put together a good performance. Rashford wasn't great. Neither was Sancho. Or They weren't really great. I think the person who really had a good game actually is somebody, I think Anthony was quite good, but then he started doing too much. But generally he was, he had a quite a good game. Casemiro had an okay game for his standards. Um, but generally... Who cares as long as you win? That's what I think. I think I don't care how it comes in a final as long as I win the final and no one can take it away from me. So, yeah, I was happy. I'm happy. I mean, that's what it's about, though, isn't it? With, with finals, you can go back to many finals in the past where one team's better, play, play better than the other, but they don't really talk about who played better than who in the future. It's about who won the accolade. You know, you can go back to maybe the time where... Um, 2016. 2016, uh, which final? Of course you would say that. Oh, Palace! When we, oh, are, when oh. we are played with Wembley, and you had hey, uh, Mark you, Mark Clattenburg said, "I'm playing ten men." Is that what you're doing on Mark the podcast? Mark Clattenburg said, "Here you go. Here's the here's the trophy. Here, here you go." That's <laughs> <laughs> that referee. <laughs> I found that one funny. I mean, just because um, when Padre started dancing, it kind of triggered me a little bit. I was like, "Hold on, no, 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 That triggered me. What are you doing? <laughs> wasn't it like the 16th minute or something you scored it was nah. proper early it was like it was, way too early to be happy we scored in the 70 was it 78 or 80th minute it was a late goal we scored like, oh, oh. it was extra time yeah yeah it was extra time that's why yeah so it was, it was a lot longer than we than we anticipated it would be anyway yeah because it went the whole 120 minutes before um i think it was Mata and lingard that scored the for Man united but it was Rooney. Rooney. Rooney drove from the halfway line, in it. Um, yes, yes. And he made made that impossible run and found a ball into the box, and then I think it ricocheted and ended up in Matter's yeah. path, and he scored. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I think the officiating also. I, I found it very weird. How did we end up with six? Like, how about six yellow cards? Five yellow cards in this game? Hmm. I mean, I didn't think it was good. I mean, if we talk, I mean, we'll get into refereeing soon. Trust me, <laughs> that that just never that never stops. <laughs> Believe me, that never stops. But um, uh, before we go to Rich, uh, Rans, just on you know the final performance and certain players that actually came to the table for United. I mean, Newcastle, with all the energy they provided, did you at any time feel like we were really under a lot of stressful pressure in terms of like do you think they were creating chances that would make you feel nervous that they could possibly get a goal because in my opinion players that say maximum i mean say maximum i call him i call him newcastle's a dumber triore he's one of those players that will just beat everybody and they get to the box and nothing happens yeah nothing happens you know it's funny as a man united fan i can't remember the last time that we've gone to play a team yeah um, in under all the managers that we've had, when we played, when we had Mourinho, since for, Sir Alex, I walked into a game where we're soaking up pressure and I don't feel worried. But that's where Eric has me right now. Like, I don't feel worried. I'm like, listen, it's going to take something special to beat both our defenders in terms of um, Varane and Martinez. And mm. also, you know, contract negotiation, Dave is on the table. He's there trying to get his 400k a week for the next two years. Final lap, you know, all of that. So he's been a serious person for once, again. And he always does this around contract negotiation time. But I didn't feel any pressure. I just thought, like, 
I just get frustrated because I don't like to see us on the back foot, especially when I know who we've got. But then with the retrospect of knowing that we've played 10 games in February and we've been playing two times a week for the last however long, mm. to be fair, it's like we're trying to win the game but conserve as much energy as possible. So I didn't feel worried. I, I was worried about, um, say, Maximum potentially getting the better of Dallow at some point and actually maybe finding a miracle pass somewhere in his repertoire. But luckily, obviously, I think Eric also thought the same thing. And at halftime was like, yeah, Aaron, you go lock that side down because that's the only place they're troubling us. And after that, they gave us literally nothing. In fact, I actually think we made defensive subs and we got better offensively. It was crazy. That's never happened to us. I remember the dagger at Everton last, no, 20, Ollie's last good season where they scored in the last minute. He made, yeah. Ollie made four tactical substitutions and we conceded offer for free kick by the halfway line and I couldn't I couldn't believe it I was like we have we we Bruno did everything to shore up this game at halftime we were 3-0 up we go inside we're drawing this game free all and I think City went top of the league the next game so this time I just feel so confident in the in the manager's plan I, I fully believe in it. I feel like we're back. And I know I've said this before, and you probably, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you know I've said this before, but I actually mean it this time, guys. I promise. <laughs> I think we're back. I think we have the, the foundations to a good team. I think he's missing um, a couple key players. But I think once he gets a proper striker, because Martial's not serious, we'll be oh. a serious team again. Oh, tell me about that guy. You know, I'm not even. No, no, I'm in a good mood. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. You know, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's go to Newcastle. And Rich, I wanted to ask you about Newcastle because, I mean, a lot of their fans, and it could be, I mean, I, I, I'm not a Newcastle fan, so I can't really understand how they were feeling. You know, it's been, they made to a final for 24 years um, since they played Man United in the final in 99. And they haven't won a trophy, I think, 56 or so years. I might be... It's 50 something, it's fifty plus years anyway, for sure. Um, and a lot of their fans were... I don't think they were concerned. I mean, you want to win, but I don't think they were concerned whether they lost the game or not. I think it was about more the occasion. But if you're Eddie Howe, how do you go... What do you say to the players? What do you, what, what do you say? Do you say, you know, we go again? You know, look at this as a, a moment where you build up? Or do we... Do we say, yeah, you they were there for the take? You could have won this game because they did start with energy, they did start well, they did pressure Man United quite a bit. What, what angle do you think they should come from and take from this final? It's so difficult because these because it's in the middle of the season, this can make or break your, your whole campaign. You know, mm. for for your boys, you literally could be able to obviously you're you're pushing for like top two finish. You're not too far off uh, uh, run like a tight race high as, as well if you just look at the, the points differential. For Newcastle, their league form dipped coming up to this final, you know, and now they've lost it. That could actually have an adverse um like effect on, on their campaign. Um obviously Tottenham, Liverpool were lucky to survive against us on the weekend, but um they're, they're slowly picking up points and stuff. So when Newcastle was sitting pretty at second at one one point, they're like they're fourth. And it's like fourth, but just about, you know what I mean? So anyhow, it's got to somehow rally the troops, man. Um, he's had a fantastic season with them, to be fair. You know, um, they deserve nothing from the final. Um, I mean, Ayrson had one moment against Dello. He did some mad, mad skill on the hair to make a save. And so but apart <laughs> from that, it, it was non-existent. I think, obviously, as a neutral fan, I guess the only interesting aspect of it how would that game have gone if Nick Pope was in goal? 
you know, and, and that's no slander on um, Carriers because I think Carriers did a decent job. But yeah. probably their mindset defensively, Newcastle thinking, rah, this Donny ain't played in two years. The last time anyone probably saw him what play was against Real Madrid for Liverpool where he flapped at Gareth Bell's shot. Maybe we have to drop off 10 yards and stuff. It could happen. It could have had an effect and stuff. But that's Pope's fault. He made a stupid error against Liverpool. Um, but you lot thoroughly deserved the win, even as as Rans was saying, it wasn't the greatest of spectacles. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like a trophy is a trophy. Oh, absolutely, it doesn't matter. And um, uh, we we'll talk about we'll talk about players as well um, because I think it's too, uh, fair to talk about players on both sides. Um, I want to talk about saying Maximan. I, I've obviously just I mean I've started the podcast by criticizing him, so I, I guess you know how I feel about him, but. Um, from both of you, um, we can do Rich first. Um, is say maximum a player that you look at for Newcastle and say they can still build around him, or considering he's been there for a couple of years now, and I know the regime was different, the management's been different over the years. Looking at this final performance and how he's performed overall in his time as new at Newcastle, do you see him as a, a future component of success? at the club or do you think there'll come a time where they say thanks for the memories but it's time to go you know one thing that hinders him is is injuries for starters he's very very injury prone but you know what if Eddie Howe can't because look at what Eddie Howe did with Joel Linton like he turned a very terrible striker into a decent midfielder if if Eddie Howe can't get the best out of St Maximum then it's just pack your bags and find somewhere else to go like he, the talent's there, it's undeniably he's talented and stuff. But I feel like Newcastle's just changed their style of play, and the way they're playing nowadays is, is working for them. And I don't think St. Maximum, I don't think it works for them. Now, call me mad if it wasn't for the fact that he's on mad wages and stuff, I'll take him to replace Zaha at Palace because he, he's kind of like okay. for like, okay, you know. But I just feel his injuries are a bit mm, and the wages will be too crazy, you know. but I think he'll fit us what he does Newcastle at this current moment in time. Absolutely. And um, Bruno G, I want to, I will talk about both Brunos, but Bruno G, just how important. I mean, he he was, unfortunately, he got injured in the game. You know, he just came back from an injury. So, and suspension as well on top of that. But I mean, how good is this boy? Re- really and truly, like watching him on a week to week basis, how, how important is he to Newcastle and how good is he just as an individual? No, he's a very, very talented player. Um, and it's interesting because where he's so techy, he can also do the defensive bit too as well. It's it's weird. You don't normally see a, a midfielder that's got literally can do everything. Um, I feel, just quickly on this, by the way, the FA need to change their rules regarding red cards because he got sent off in the semi-final <laughs> and played. <laughs> And Pope got sent off in the Premier League game and missed it. <laughs> you know, it's a bit yeah. mad. Um, yeah. No, but he, he, he's definitely pivotal to, to how they play. I reckon if they can get a a DM that's like 30 and stuff and allow him to push further forward, I think that's where he gets his joy, you know, around the edge of the box. Um, I think that would work out better for him. Um, yeah, he's a decent player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rans, main United players. Um... We spoke about the defense and how Carlin makes you feel. You know, Verena Martinez, absolutely brilliant. Casemiro can't talk enough about him. Um, and Marcus Rashford as well, can't talk enough about him. But one player you did mention was Anthony. Um, 
I'm not going to ask the question whether he he's a player that will go because he's in, he's obviously still new to the team, still new to the league. He's going to get hopefully for his sake get better. But did you do you see what's the question I'm going to ask? Are you trying? Do you see him as a important player for United in the next couple of years, or do you see see his role eventually becoming like a I don't know, a squad player thing? I'm just asking this because you got Ahmad doing well alone. Mm-hmm. You got Sancho who can play on the right. Palestri, if he's given the chance, maybe an option. I'm just just putting a question out there. What, what are your thoughts on Anthony and his final performance as well? Actually, so I'll first go on him and in terms of his future at Man United, right? I think that uh, Eric is looking to build a kind of six man front line where it's basically like the, the he'll have one slightly different profile type of player, so not Weghorst per se, but like a goal hanger, big guy who can just have the ball hoofed up to him and in a jam, you know, basically he'll become Fellaini of 2017-18, right? That's what I think he's going to go for, one of those strikers. And then what he wants with the other five attackers is fluidity. And Anthony's very, very important to that because um, I think... You can see the difference. So I was cussing him. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like I didn't, I wasn't gassed when he came here. I didn't know nothing about him. I don't watch, I'm not going to pretend like everyone else on the timeline that I watch IX every week because I don't. I don't watch IX every week. I watch them when they play the big games, the Champions League, and that's it. And 180 minutes is not really enough time to understand what kind of player we're buying. So I thought we were buying an out and out winger that was fast and that was going to beat their man and everything. And obviously, when he's come, He's a lot more than that, right? Like, he's very composed in high-pressure situations. Some of his decision-making is a bit awful, but he's very good at ball retention. And actually, when I was... Um, so I started looking at, like, Sabre scores, and he's one of our best ball carriers in terms of he doesn't really lose possession much. He doesn't do go forward as much, as progressive as much, but he doesn't lose possession much, and he doesn't um, misplace passes. So in a team, like, when you've got Fred doing chaos ball, he needs somebody there on the side to just calm things down, down and I think Anthony does that and I think that's why Ten Hag likes him because he's like under pressure sorry I make the right decisions so I think that he's going to be very pivotal in Ten Hag's master plan to have us winning three back to back again just like we used to in the Fergie days um in the final I actually thought he was I actually thought he was one of the better players I think I'd give him up probably a 6.57 I think everyone that they really like they all look really tired they looked like they've been They've been through it and they've done a lot of running and you can see, especially like Bruno's got an engine, but he looked knackered. So they all looked tired, but I actually thought he was good. And when he was taking the mick, he took the mick out of Dan Burns. He said, yeah, I'm going to have you once. And you know what? I'm going to spin around and come back again and have you again. (laughs) I just said, you've got no respect. You've got no respect whatsoever. I was actually happy with his performance. I, I was happy with him Barcelona on Thursday. And I am happy to give him a bit more time to get used to the, the English game. And I think when he has a right back, he develops a relationship with the right back it's gonna be even better for him because you can see like he's probably got more of a connection with Dallo but Dallo also wants to applaud it so he's also trying to get in the box he's trying to get the assists um, whereas with Wan-Bissaka I think he actually works better with Wan-Bissaka because he does less defensive work but um they don't know each other so they keep making runs and passing the ball opposite ways instead of like to the direction of where the player's running but yeah I think he's going to be part of our plans for sure Awesome. And last one, you, you mentioned the name as well, which I was going to ask you about. Fred. Fred's contract runs out this summer. Um, has he earned a new contract? Okay. So, in the days of McFred. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. Okay, you know, there's a rule. There's a rule here. There's a rule here. Because we give nicknames to players or like combinations of players 
that we adore. I'm very, yeah. very sure you do not adore that 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 thing. So we're not going to give them that tag. We're going to call them McTominay and Fred. That, that's just okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You got me. You got me. <laughs> right. Okay. So in the days of McTominay and Fred, I always said that. Fred's biggest problem is McTominay, right? Because McTominay would go hiding and then Fred is constantly having to make a decision about do I come or do I stay, right? And you see that when he plays with Casemiro, he almost like doesn't even need to look. He knows where Casemiro is. So he's like, all right, cool. I'm going for this because I know Casemiro is behind me and I'm good. Um, so personally, do I think that he's good enough to play week in, week out every single week as a part of our midfield three? No. I think there's definitely a certain man in Barcelona who needs to just stop uh, ignoring Eric's calls and answer the phone because that is who we need. But um, in terms of a squad, you can't have Frankie De Jong playing away at Carlisle in the Carabao Cup next year. Yeah, you're gonna have to have Fred. You got, you, you know what I'm saying? You got to have Fred. You got to have people like Fred in the team to go and you know fill the gaps. And also in times like this where there's loads of fixture congestion, Fred is really good at coming on and doing a job. He's shown that before. He's obviously capable of head loss, like it pay, uh, PSG last season it literally spun my head when he got a red card because I was like why on earth you've got head loss like how do you lose your head like that in such a big game for us where we're down but he equally has moments like Barcelona he has the Leeds performance in him once a year you know where he just unlocks a little bit of shooting so I personally think the, the club should renew and give him maybe two two years with an option to extend for the third year and then see if we can ship him out to get a better, younger option. Or by that time, maybe some of the youngsters will be breaded in fully. So people like Maino, um, Hannibal, Iqbal, one of the three of them. I don't think all three of them are going to make it at Man United, but I definitely think one of them will. So whichever one it is will be in. So then we can get rid of Fred after that. But I think he's definitely past the Fred. He was obviously been fasting and praying because we've not lost a game in February and I appreciate it. I, I love it. He even won us some games. I, I've got no problems with Fred. He can stay. He can have another two years and continue to show everybody that chaos ball is the way. No ways. Uh, Rich, and finally, just on... Um, I want to ask you about Wout Weghorst. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this after because I think it's, what, 20 minutes on Main United uh, and Newcastle. So we'll, we'll go and then go to the other games. But... What way cost? Do you look at that signing? I mean, it's a loan signing, so it can't really be a, a bad fail if it didn't work out. But do you think it's working out for United so far, considering his role? Um, before I uh, talk about uh, Vegas, um, Fred, just own it. Yeah, just own it. <laughs> <laughs> just own it. I can't do it. Just, I can't do it. Just own it. Do it. It's okay. I can't it's do it. part of your your past. Your your future is looking bright. Just it is what it is. Um, okay, but because you know what, before you like you know what's weird with Vegas. It's I've got like a like as a neutral like I look at it both sides. I'm thinking you know you're striking, you do scoring goals, mm. but then what he does actually offer you, it's actually pretty decent and such. Um, I'm gonna be shamelessly admit this, and you can you can sin bin me, you can cast me out. I compared him to Mateta. <laughs> like, in sense just like okay well the hold up play once in a while is a bit decent and stuff like that okay. but you can't hit the, the back of the, you can't find the back of the net sort of thing okay. um his, okay. his assist for rashford was brilliant by the way brilliant way to pass um i i actually thought rashford took one touch too many but obviously mm. look, it went in the back of the net it is what it is and stuff um obviously ten hard he's adopted him in the 10 mode more so now isn't he um, as opposed to the nine, which 
I don't know if that's a good thing for him or not, but it's worked out for the team. And um, I don't see you extending the loan beyond the season. Um, but as as Ran said earlier, Martial is, is a sick note, unfortunately, yeah. and um, you really don't have any other options. So, yeah, he's done a decent job. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll move on from me and uh, If the Newcastle fan, Hugo, hope you're listening, man. I've got love for you, man, but next time, turn up. Hugo, stop running from the grind, bro. What's that? Stop running <laughs> from the grind, man. What is... Yeah, you can't run from the grind, man. But he's, shout out to him as well. He's doing really well. His you know, channel's doing well. I've, I've uh, put his link in the bio, so anyone that wants to check him out, Voice of the Tune is his channel as well. He's doing a great job, so shout out to Hugo. Um, we'll move on. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to go straight to Crystal Palace. Uh, they drew nil-nil at home with Liverpool. Now, I'm going to just read out some results here. Uh, from this this year, I know Rich, you already know, but for the listeners and for uh, Rans, uh, since the turn of the year, at the 2023, the results are as followed. Crystal Palace nil, Tottenham 4. FA Cup, Crystal Palace 1, Southampton 2. Don't remind me about that one. Gaeta gifted them two goals. But anyway, please. Yeah, <laughs> he did, he did. Um, Chelsea 1, Palace nil. Palace won, Man United won. A superb freaky for anyone that remembers by um, Elise. 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 Is it Elise? Yeah. It's Elise, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Palace nil, Newcastle nil. Uh, then Palace visited Old Trafford and lost 2 1 to Manchester United. Um, Palace won, Brighton won, Brentford won, Palace won. Should have won that. Palace, <laughs> yeah, Palace nil, Liverpool nil. And I would Should have won that. Um. <laughs> Have you seen that the, the fixtures? You see what, what we've got afterwards: Villa, Man City, Brighton, Arsenal. Well, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> mention that, and then you, even, I mean, you even got Leicester coming to you guys after. Um, and then I guess the teams that are better for relegation, like your Leeds and your Southamptons and your Everton's, yeah, and after that, yeah. Wolves, Wolves to an extent maybe, and West Ham after that as well. You've got, <clears throat> I mean, every team is fighting for something in the league, but just on your results. Why is it that your team are struggling to find a win? What, what is it? Is it Vieira? Is it what's going on? We can't. We got. We got Jean Philippe Mateta. That's the reason why <laughs> he can't. He, he's terrible. He's yeah. terrible. Listen, first thing first. I have no idea why Edward's not playing. I, okay. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He must not be training well, or he must have had a bust up with Vieira. I do not know. I don't know why Mateta starts every time we see him on the team sheet. The atmosphere around Sellers Park, it just goes flat and yeah. such. And you probably saw it against Liverpool. He was gu- he gifted, gifted two shot opportunities. One, the first one, <laughs> you're up against Allison, a world-class keeper, and you think you're R9 to be able to scoop the ball over him. You, you've scored one goal all season and you're trying to scoop the ball over Allison. Okay, you know what, Rich, cool. I'll Rich, let you, you know what, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just for banter purposes, yeah. I, I saw that chance, and it gave me it gave me shocking flash, flashbacks. Do you remember when um, Man United played Bayern Munich in the Champions League, and Welbeck tried to chip Neuer? <laughs> it, it was like that, yeah. but yeah. But you know what? At least Welbeck's one was going on target. Fair point. But one was it was it was still going wide. Yeah. Now, are you okay? Then he gets a second opportunity. Schlapp does well to press Trent, and passes the ball across the box. And when I first saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, he's hit the crossbar unlucky. Because I'm on the opposite other side of the the pitch where I said right. I went to the concourse, I saw it. 
I said, the guy missed an open goal. He missed an open goal. I was like, you know what? And this is the problem. We just can't finish our dinner. You know, we, we've been playing well. Like, you've read out the teams we've played. All of those teams are in the top 10 and stuff. I think they might even, they might all be in the top six, in fact. You know, and we've picked up, we've lost one in the last six, and that was against you lot. One loss of fi uh, five draws. You know, so actually, the results wise, it doesn't seem too bad. The problem is the teams beneath us are picking up wins. We need to get some wins on our belt. I mean, it does look bad because, in my opinion, I mean, you're not you're not losing games, but five points out of your last eighteen is is not a good look. Um, go on, Reds. When's the last time you guys scored two or more in a game? Bournemouth away. How long ago was that? Last year. Um, oh, just before Christmas, wasn't it? Jesus. So that's the problem, isn't it? It's like it's just goal scoring, yeah, yeah. Yes, you can't definitely. score, and it's a, and it's not like it's, we don't get the chances. So, yeah, because we went, we 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 United were going for a similar thing, and it's like it's so annoying when your club is creating chances and you're making the things happen, but the people on the end, in this case, it's Mateta, not finishing their dinner. It's like, what else are we gonna have to do here? And what normally is required is I don't know moments of brilliance from people like Zaha, and it's like how many moments of brilliance do does Zaha need to give you guys for you? Not not. Not you guys, but I mean, like, it can't always be the big guys to come and pick up the points, in it? So, going to have no, to get a new striker. We do, and like, Zaha's missed the last four or five games anyway because he's been injured. I think he got he got injured against Newcastle, so um, I hope he's back this weekend. <laughs> Just to give us a bit of a lift. I was going to say, funny enough, when you scored two goals, Mateta was nowhere to be seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we even started Jordan Ayu up top that game and he scored. Yeah, I was gonna say and that, that that one that one for me is a shocker because any Jordan anyone Ayu. Yeah, anyone that's got anyone that's Ghanaian knows boy, him and shooting. I, uh, I don't I don't know PTSD. He cost us <laughs> the World Cup. I'm not happy. He came on came on against Portugal to do nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, man, that was a painful Sorry. time. Um, <laughs> so, okay, we'll, we'll talk about Liverpool now. Um, Rand, they were terrible. Obviously, terrible. They were terrible. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. But um, I, I was going to, I was going to ask Rand's because, um, I mean, they obviously are their old rivals, and you know, there's obviously a lot of a lot of respect for for, for Liverpool. Am I correct or? Uh, Wait, call it oh, respect. Oh, 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 oh. I hate them. Spice she hates them. Yeah. She's very chesty with it. She hates them. Hate but them. <laughs> the, the question I'm going to ask you is because I ask Liverpool fans a lot, so I'm going to try to ask someone out of their, their family completely. What the hell is going on there? It's. I think this is always going to happen, right? And I think uh, anybody who has watched football for long enough knows that you cannot run the way that eleven ran for the last four years without it coming to this point where at 27 or 28, Fabinho looks like he's finished like soap. Like he's. Like he's never played professional football in his life. He's dead. He's like actually he people were saying he was the best centre mid and DM that the Premier League has ever seen at some point. And now they're talking about it. They're calling him a Nigerian uncle. They say he's got fake age. That's what they're calling him. That's what their fans are calling him. Not me. I, I but that's what they're saying. So <laughs> I, I just 
thing. I'm in shock. I'm in shock. <laughs> they, they're calling him. They said his name is Olawatinde, and he was born in the 80s, bro. That's what they said. They said it was fake age. He got smuggled into Brazil, and they gave him new birth certificate and no. called him Fabio Silva. That's what they <laughs> what said. Is going on? Listen, can we officially brand Fabinho's new name is Fola? <laughs> Fola, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Fola. <laughs> I think this is this is the outcome of playing the same eleven and not ever looking to the future, right? Like, there's only so many times you give Milner a contract, you give Henderson a contract, you keep telling everybody leadership and power and passion is so important. Eventually, the ballers are going to get tired, and the guys who were doing the legwork for the ballers are also tired. So now everyone's tired, and Klopp just basically needs to bend the whole thing and start again because he thought, I don't know, maybe in his head he thought because Liverpool's a special club, right? That hunger, it's not empty like City. So I think when he was looking at it, he was like, well, we, we're a real club, right? We've got heritage. We've got things. So our players are always going to be hungry because we got real people out there depending on us. And didn't do what Pep has been doing, which is slowly but surely getting rid of the people who he feels, okay, they might still be good players, but they don't have that hunger to succeed anymore because they've, they've done it all. And he thought that wasn't going to happen with his guys, but it has. And I think they've been found out, right? Like it's easy to beat Liverpool, not Liverpool, Klopp, not Liverpool. Liverpool as a team, when they're playing, I think that they're like, when they're on fire, they're the best up there with the top best five clubs in the world. I'll never deny it. Like they play really good football when they're on it. But actually, they're quite easy to figure out. And I think Aston Villa showed us last season how to do it. And then a couple of two seasons ago. And then ever since then, they just, they don't seem as imperious as they used to be they're losing to the bottom like the lower sides and actually sorry rich i'm gonna say this it really upsets me that they saved their one or two good performances a year for you guys i don't understand that what's what's the beef with crystal palace is it suarez gate all over again like why do they come with so much rim when they come to your place we know know where the beef is we know where the beef is They hate us. It's, it's all good, but like we've picked up two points from them this season, so it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, on the back of what it's you're good. saying, we're running. Um, I, I think obviously, listen, there's been a lot of cuts in society and stuff. The NHS is being run like a muck, and they've run out of asthma pumps. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pets have gone. The pets have it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Was it six months yeah. wait for an inhaler? I think it is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it like that. It's, that's actually that's actually factual, which is insane, by the way. Shout, shout out the UK on that one. You did a great job over here. Um, <laughs> great job over here. Um, can't wait to the just private. Then it's gonna get even better, right? Anyway, um, this is not it's not a political show. It's not a political show. I'm gonna keep my thoughts to myself. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's, it's an odd one for me with Liverpool because I, I I did think that their players were getting older and they didn't make a change, but I didn't see a a collapse like this. And coming away from the Palace game, I mean, Salah also hit the woodwork, so they can argue mm-hmm. that they had a chance where they could have won the game as well, absolutely. Um, but even even someone like him, he's not looking the same, and I don't know if it's because he's missing Mane and Firmino. Obviously, that was their their thing. Uh, go on, yeah, right, go for it. No, I was gonna say. Money made the world go around. I remember when they were trying to pick between who they wanted sold, right? And all the Liverpool fans said money. And I said, that is the wrong choice. Because the truth of the matter is, and people think, I don't I don't hate Salah, right? Yeah, but I think that Salah is, there's a, a certain kind of big game player, right? And Salah is the kind of big game player that needs all 10 people around him to be playing well 
and then he will play well. He is not ever going to pull you out of a moment. He's not going to just pull something out of his ass. When, when Liverpool are playing rubbish, he's not going to bail you out by himself. He will be on the end of a chance of something amazing by Trent or, or Robertson or whoever it is that decides to take the ball by the horn. But he himself is not okay. Whereas Mane was capable of pulling those things out yeah. of his of his locker. He could go on a run and, and, and bag it top bins to beat a couple people. And he didn't need to have a good game to have an impact on the game. And I think ultimately that is the biggest problem is that the unison between the front three has gone because obviously, well, Firmino is halftime. It's a halftime teeth model, halftime. Uh, Hendo, thank you so much. He <laughs> <laughs> ran the head, didn't he? And he went for a goal kick. I was like, yeah, it's poor, yeah. But even that, the, the, the mentions, it's not Salah that they're talking about. They're not saying, oh, I mean, you mentioned that Salah hit the bar, but it's like the moment of brilliance came from Trent and then obviously their captain got in the way. So it's just like, I just think everybody underestimated what and how important Mane was to that um, fluid front line. Mm-hmm. And now he's over there in Bundesliga. I mean, it's a bit of a tough title race over there as well, but yeah. he seems to be enjoying life. I mean, I saw he made the FIFA Pro um, top 20 and Vignicius didn't. Interesting because they won the Champions League, but you know, we'll let that go. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let that go. But I think, I think we all know what that's about. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Please. Man is a huge loss, and um, they just need to reinvigorate everything. And I think as well, they banked a lot on getting sold, right? They thought, yeah, we're, we're on the market. We're going to get bought. We'll have money. We'll be able to invest big time in the summer. Klopp, you'll have 10 new players if you want it. And now that's not happened. They are double crestfallen because like, they've not been sold. We're watching our rivals across the road potentially be bought by the same people that we were going to buy us. And we're watching Mane enjoy his life while we are struggling to find a front three that is cohesive. I just don't think they have that cohesion anymore. You know, like, and Liverpool are running their club like a, literally like a mid-table club. Like, they are mirroring what Palace are doing, where mm. you get a bit of momentum and then the ownership says, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We're not giving you no money. <laughs> you know, um, I feel I feel for them. Like, they started their game against us with Henderson, Milner and Cater as the midfield three. Like, we, Decorey and Sambi, they were just bopping it. Like, um, and that's what I said. Listen, had we had a striker, we, we could have scored a couple, you know. Um, and obviously, yeah, Salah did hit the, the crossbar and uh, trench free kick got well defended by Henderson. Um, but apart from that, we looked comfortable. You know, Salah, I feel like his legs actually might be going because he doesn't run in behind as much. You know, he yeah. really hugs the touchline. I think Mitchell played, Mitchell had him in pocket. And that's not the first time we, we, we've been saying that. Trent doesn't seem to bomb forward either. It was a, it's a weird one. Like, they, I think Trent's attitude is an issue, actually. He doesn't look okay. bothered. He really doesn't look bothered. So I don't know if it's the case where he's thinking, listen, I'm the main man here, innit? Like, no one's going to take my place. Mm. Um, because his drop-off, his fall from grace is, is crazy. And I'm not going to take credit for it, but I saw it coming. You can't be an attacking fullback, yeah, and rely on just crossing the ball into the box. At some point, the game's going to evolve, the game's going to change, and your defensive duties will get called out. Now he can't attack anymore. Everyone's now, oh, he's not a good... Well, no, we <laughs> the signs were there. The signs were there. So, anyway, I speak, I'm in big trouble. 
<laughs> sorry, I saw someone mention about the midfield. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you guys bought like four midfielders last summer. Your your gaffer was standing on Sky Sports telling us how you got four midfielders. You don't need a midfielder. You've got Fabio, Vieira, whoever it was that he said was coming through. Sorry, I don't keep up with all their players. But it's like you've bought, you've invested. You've got Tiago, you've got Arthur. Okay, they're rubbish, but you bought them. They're yours. You were telling us for the last 10 years, five years, that this is the best midfielder oh, that's yeah, ever existed. They bought Arthur, didn't they? <laughs> There's Arthur there. There's, 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 I don't know why they did that. Bro, there's so many people. They have quite a few midfielders. So it's not the lack of midfielders. It's the quality of the way that those midfielders are playing. But those are the players that your club scouting system that you told us was so great, that found Andy Robertson and all these other guys. That's the same system, right? And that's who they identified and that's who they purchased. So we can blame the midfielder. Don't get me wrong. They do need legs in the midfield. Like, I mean, I can't imagine a... Uh, uh, Henderson and um, Fabinho pivot lasting very much longer than it did, but nonetheless, you have you have midfielders, you have nine of the eleven best players in the world as far as your fans are concerned. So you should be doing better. And if this was any other gaffer, you lot would have been saying that they should have been sacked before the World Cup. But because Klopp gave you one Premier League and one Champions League, you guys are letting him off. Oli had more points than him when he got sacked. You should be ashamed. They should be ashamed. They should be ashamed. Ow, ow. Only had more points than him. Ow, ow, damn. Okay, damn. Ow, <laughs> ow. Yeah, I had to say out to that because Man United fans did not like Oli. So out. Um, <laughs> for me personally, before we move on, I'm just gonna say I think Liverpool's recruitment has been a bit iffy in the last couple of years or last two years rather. I want to say the last couple of years because they've bought some good players in, in that side. Um, like um, what's his name? Alisson and Van Dijk in the last five, six years. But what I will say, um, I think I think there was one blind loyalty. I don't know. You, I think, Rans, you mentioned it. Henderson and Milner getting new contracts. No matter what they've done for the club, they are getting older. This time is a time to move them on. Or even if you do want to keep them, they shouldn't be playing a uh, such a, a heavy role in the team, in my opinion. You know, I know Henderson has been slowly phased out. Fabinho, I, I don't think it's an age thing. I just don't know what's happened to him. I think his form's just gone completely off and he's just not looking at any level of comfortable on the pitch. Um, I've never really liked Joe Gomez. And look, it's, it's certain individuals, but I'm, me- I'm mentioning these names because I feel like they're they're letting down the team a lot more. And it is a team effort, but sometimes you've got to look at individuals and just say, look, A, B, C, D, they're just not, they're just not part of the plan anymore. And it is what it is. Um, so we'll see what they do. We'll see what's in their future. Um Arsenal and Man City continue to win their games as they are jointly first and second. Um, Arsenal won one no away at Leicester. Highly controversial game. Um, refereeing being the discussion, of course, uh, with VAR um, cancelling goals. Um, one was definitely offside. One was apparently a grab of the arm of the goalkeeper. It was cancelled Ben White as a foul. Um, Saka was fouled in the penalty penalty area. They definitely believe it was should have been a penalty uh i believe you guys are nodding as you you probably agree um but martinelli scored and you know you got them in the three points man city just went to bournemouth and absolutely just did them in 4-1 no problem no stress there um rans who are your favorites out of those two and i'm not going to ask you if may united are a um in the title race because me personally i'm scared to say that but you know i'm just going to say for those two clubs in particular who are your favourites and why? 
So my favourites still have to be City because, and the only reason is because they have done this before, right? They chased Liverpool up until the last day and beat them by one point. So that is the only reason that they have that kind of nod from me only. Um, I did think that Arsenal would have dropped off by now um, if they were going to. Um, and so I give Arteta, I mean, it took him four years. But I give him a lot of credit. He's built a system and it works and he's got everyone playing how he wants to do it. And I think it would be good for football if Arsenal won the league. And I think, because oh, obviously my gaffer's got a free peak. He can be the only one. We can't just have Pep going out here spending a trillion pounds and being the same as us. Like, it's... <laughs> not fair so <laughs> my choice if I had to choose obviously is Man United of course that's who I want to win the league but I do have City as favourites but um, I can't deny that Arsenal are in the rhythm and things are working out for them and actually given the fact that they didn't win they got they lost to Everton they drew with Brentford um, and then they I think they lost to City the week after that they lost to City on the Wednesday the way that they've managed to bounce back off the, those three results relatively quickly and pick up again, that's a sign of champions. I'm, I'm not going to take it away from them. I don't like it. I hate the fact that they're potentially champions, but I do have to give them a lot of credit that they're moving in the right direction. But I still I still think that if City decide that they actually want to win it, they'll just go and do it. But it's about whether they decide that they actually want to win it. I think their eyes are on Champions League, but they're not going to win that. They're not a knockout team. They just will never be. So, yeah. City favourites in my heart, Arsenal favourites that I'm just hoping that they can keep it up or both of them lose all their next 10 games and then we can win the league. That's what I would like. That's what I would like. <laughs> let them both lose 10 games, let us win all of our games. Great, perfect. That would be suit me fine. Absolutely, <laughs> a dream come true for me as well. Um, Rich, same question to you. Uh, do you see Arsenal maintaining enough form or rather what's the, the question should be, do you see them being more consistent enough than City to see out the title race. See, I would have rather you'd ask me this after the next Man City Arsenal game, as such. But um, you know what? I, I think it's in Arsenal's hands. I think I think they'll I think they'll do it. I, okay. Rans is correct in saying City has the experience, but every team has a blip in the season. Arsenal had their blip. City didn't capitalize. You know, sure. um, I think I think City have let Arsenal off the hook here. And with Gabriel Jesus, I think he's back either this week or next as well. Yep. When when he played, they were t they were cooking, you know. Um, no slander on Inketia. He did he did all right. Like I've not rated him, and he did okay for them. Like he he held it down. He got some very important goals for them. Um, I think City have let them off the hook. But in saying that, that Man City Arsenal game is massive. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's and to be fair, Man City even played Newcastle um, on Saturday as well, which I know Newcastle have not been in the best of form either, but it will be interesting because City are tending to drop points where you wouldn't expect them to, you know, whether that be home or away. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting game. Um, we'll move on. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't say who you have as your favourites. What's this? You can't just I'm have us out here I'm on the host. I'm the host. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just on fence, you know. <laughs> running from the guys come on who's your favorite uh you know what? okay if i'm being very honest i don't i don't like saying this out loud because i've got these guys all over in my life my brother my cousins my my friends but um arsenal it's arsenal man um because i somehow they're just putting results out of the bag and i, I don't know i don't know when it's stopping i i just don't know when it's stopping 
usually in the last season, season before now, or whatever, a game away at Leicester, I'll be like, yeah, they'll definitely drop points in this one. I went into this game, I was sitting there, I was like, I don't think they're going to lose. I just, I just don't see it happening. And they, even if they concede a goal, they just get confident. It's like they're not afraid anymore of getting, getting back into the game. So it's weird to say it because City have been ultra consistent over the last couple of years, but it looks like Arsenal have found a year to be more consistent than them. Yeah. That um, win against Villa for me was, was what told me, you know, I think they've got this. To get that 93rd mm. minute goal, own goal, that little bit of luck you, you'd need in, in title races and stuff, it just fell for them. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stuff like that. That's why I'm just like, I, I might have to just swallow my pride and, and say it. But what I will say is this, because I know all my cousins and my brother and my, and my, my Arsenal friends listen to this podcast. Don't call me. Don't try and find me. <laughs> celebrate, celebrate. Celebrate. Enjoy yourself. And then when the season starts next season, come and find me. We'll talk again like normal human beings. Until then, don't interact with me. Listen, my cousin, I, I respect you. I love you for making me your best man at your wedding. It's a beautiful wedding. But once this club wins, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I never saw you before. It is what it is, man. Love you though, isn't it? Anyway, uh <laughs> just just quickly, I've just seen um the Matricutioners um come up big up Santiago, he's a Man United fan as well. I'm not gonna lie, that entity song's a vibe, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it is a proper vibe. And get yours on the room. You're the fans. Oh, that was okay. Yes, it's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. Hopefully, they can sing that in third place. But anyway, um, we move on. Um, did you guys know? Did you guys know that you can slap a player and have your red card taken away? That's what happened as Spurs beat Chelsea 2 0 when Hakim Ziyech went and slapped. Um, Emerson Royale in the face because he got barged in the back by Emerson Royale. Can I he give him the benefit of the doubt though? Why? I think he aimed to try and push his shoulder and it kind of like slipped up. And when looking at a replay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But if you're gonna record, because my, my thing is this on to add to the absolute fantastic referee we have in this country, you know, my thing is this <laughs> if you're not sure it's a red card. Watch Check the it first. video first yeah. and then decide if it's a record. Bro, you've given a record. He's taking his tape off and you go, wait, hold on. Stay there. You run to the other side of the pitch. <laughs> Check the camera. Come back and say, yeah, man, it's all right, man. You're not getting sent off. What, 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 what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't get it. Can I play devil's advocate on that one, yeah? Because go for it. I, I hear it, yeah, I do. But I think that, like... Obviously, a lot of people's complaints about VAR is the stop and start of the game and it's not letting the referees, not giving them the opportunity to make the decision and like, it's only there as a soundboard, right? And so that's what he did. So he's seen it in real time and said, that ah, was a slap red card. VAR said, oh, maybe you want to check it. It might not be as bad as you, as it looked. Go have a look at it. Because think about it, like, I've been, like, when I go to football games, if they don't have a screen, in my head, I'm like, that was offside. But then as we're sitting there, I'm like, was it offside? Do I remember? I don't remember. So imagine the foot, the, the referee's got a million decisions to make every, you know, five seconds. Yeah. I can imagine that he's done it thinking, okay, that looked violent. That looked rough. It looked like you slapped him in the face. Guy's gone down holding his face. I'm going to send him off. Then they've said, okay. So I actually think it's a good application of VAR for once. For once in it's like, honestly, it's, it's frustrating, especially for the player. It's frustrating for the player because he's got ready. He's ready to shower now. And now he's got to put the tape back on and all that time has taken. So... In fairness, I think that they got that one right, and I think that it's good that they did it the way that they did. But mm. refereeing in general, oh, that's absolutely rubbish. Yeah, we used to rule the world, you know. 
we should rule the world. We should have the best referees in the, in the world. And I know they liked Man United, so obviously I'm biased, but we still had <laughs> we still had the best referees in the world. And now I just I find myself talking more about um refereeing than actual games. It's crazy. Well, I mean, if the refereeing was better, we wouldn't be talking about them. I mean, uh I know I know he's obviously resigned now, but Lee Mason had some shocking decisions, not on the pitch, behind the camera. Bro, he forgot to draw, he forgot to draw, like, he forgot to draw lines. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just baffling. But anyway, look, um, the red card was rescinded. Graham Potter must have been counting his, his lucky stars and said, oh, maybe we'll get something out here. And the other skip said, not so much. Um, so, runs. Uh, Graham Potter, <laughs> it looks like, he, I, I can't lie, it looks like he's Teflon regardless of what happens at Chelsea right now. But is he, is he, I don't, I don't know if the question is, is he the right man for the job or is he just, is he just surviving because they just don't look like they've got a plan of what's next at Chelsea? I think it's a free hit now. They've decided, didn't it? So they've got him in at a point where they had already um, not been doing very well at that point. It was not like they were in the top, top half. They weren't even in the top five. So they've got him in as a top, as a, as a free hit. They've seen what Arteta has been able to do. Young manager, you know, who's worked on the principles over time and um, they've kind of moved their transfer strategy slightly to fit him. I don't think they fully moved it, but I think they've kind of been like, okay, let's look for young and promising people who you can build up to make these players that we love, we know and love instead of buying you these established Bamiyangs and whoever else of the world that they've been purchasing. So I think that Brent Potter is just unfortunate that he's not so charismatic and Chelsea have been very fortunate to either have somebody who comes in that's quite charismatic. So like someone like Mourinho, when he first came, was extremely charismatic. Even, um, what's the guy that went to Tottenham afterwards? Villas Boas? Villas Boas, yeah. Boas, he was, yeah. Yeah, he was quite a character. So they're quite used to like the young managers being quite charismatic. Even Frank Lampard, I, I'm, he's not my favourite manager in the world, right? But he had a little bit of potential aura is what I would call it. You know, that favourite word yeah. of everybody's at the moment, aura. He had some aura. <laughs> um, and yeah. then you have the established managers like Hiddink and Ancelotti and Avram Grant, like these people who have done, been there, done that. And I think that Chelsea kind of tried to take a different approach and go, okay, we're looking long-term. We're running this as a private um, equity. So we, in six years' time, we ain't going to have money. So we've got to sign people for eight years at a time because we're not spending money for time. And we're going to give you that time to build. Now I think he's going to, I actually think he's going to stay in the job for the end of the season. And the reason why I say he's going to stay in the job, because it's a free hit, right? They're not, it's unlikely they can make top four from this position. Best case scenario is Europa, which for them, to be honest, and for most of us who support clubs um, at the top and have seen the clubs at the top, it's more of a hindrance than it does good for you in that season, especially when you've won the Champions League two years ago. So um, I think they'll just let him run it out and then over the summer, maybe go back to the drawing board and figure out who's available and who can we get. In that time, they'll tell Potter, you have between now and June to fix it. If you fix it and you show us that this can go in the right direction, we'll keep up, we'll keep with you. But otherwise, my friend, June 1st, you're unemployed. Go and join the queue. Fair enough. But Rich, I'll, I'll 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 pick I'll pick back off that point. Does Chelsea this under this regime, not under Abramovich, under this regime, does Chelsea look like a club that has a plan? I'm just in, in terms of the ownership, or because it looks like they're they're just doing they're spending money the way you spend money on um 
what was that what was that game called lma manager where there was a cheat code where you do um you get you just get money and you get like a hundred million a hundred billion or a billion to spend oh, i think it was you're taking it and you can just spend <laughs> reckless i don't know what's going on i just i just don't understand it do you see a plan you, when you're saying players what do you think is going on there listen i remixed it and catch this song for you or chelsea are in trouble because cook potters in the room but um what do you call it <laughs> Ted, listen, I feel for him because, you know, when he got the job, mm. initially I said, you know, that is a good move. That's a good move for him, a good move for Chelsea long run. Then a uh, bowling ball kicked in and he just thought, I'm signing everyone. <laughs> so Potter's actually now like, right, I can't come in and bring in my own players and work with the type of players that I want to work with. But he's like, listen, it's 600 million worth of players, make it work. And it's never going to work. If you're gonna build, you have to build gradually. Like not in the first, for example, they spent like 200 million. They, I don't even think they found the starting eleven yet. You know, they keep changing their team and stuff, and it's a massive issue. Um, Paul's in trouble. He's in big trouble. Um, I think, I think if he gets knocked out again in the Champions League against Dortmund, I think, I think, I think he'll pull the plug. Okay, I think he'll be gone early. Yeah, because it's not even like the league forms decent enough to say, oh, you know what, fair enough, the league's going okay, Champions League people not locked out, whatever. Both competitions are dreadful. Yeah. And it they're not even playing well. And that's what makes matters worse, you know. Uh, brush, you're right, bro. <laughs> like, it's mad. Wait, what happened to the Havertz generational shouts, guys? What happened? What happened? Is it not generational anymore? Is he not? Okay, okay. Second uh, so, coming of Mirsaf closer or whatever they're trying to tell me. I don't know. So, uh, I, I mean, I never, I never called him generational. Um, but I'm guilty of being a fan of his. And the reason I say I'm a fan of him, um, still, I don't know why. I am still, if I'm being brutally honest with you, but I is think it because you got he, wiggles? Uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> after red course, you can only get better, right? So, so. <laughs> There is, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I feel like he's not being used at Chelsea properly. And then when they finally got the formula and he was getting goals and he scored that goal in the Champions League final, they brought in Lukaku and messed it all up. Just completely fumbled it all up. Especially for, oh, snap. Um, they still have Lukaku on their book. They their still books. have Lukaku on they their books. They still have Lukaku on their books. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, they, guys, they still have Baba Rahman on their books. We're talking about 2014 signings, man. You know what I mean? I'm I'm sure I can go on the on the website right now and still find Gel Kakuta. Like the, the club is, is absolute it's an absolute joke, it's a mess. And I feel like someone like Havertz, you know, and I'll bring up the point of them having a having a striker. If you've got a formula that's working for your manager in terms of Tucho at the time, you don't need to go and spend the big money on the forward if that, that style works and they expect him to somehow have Lukaku and Havertz in the same system. And Lukaku, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm even going to get onto that one. Forget about that one. Uh, that's another long day. Um, uh, boy, he, he's very, very caca. But you know what? No, no, no. I can't even give him that because we had a caca and he was phenomenal. So I can't even give him that name. He's just, you know, he's just poo. He's just poo. That's what he is. Um, and I feel like they have something going. But now with all the money you spent, you brought in Jao Felix. He's not, he's not a pure number nine. You've brought in Badiashile, Koulibaly, for Fana, so you brought in three centre backs. You brought in um, uh, Enzo Fernandez, and the guy that's not really a great footballer, but is absolutely handsome, which is a nice thing. Ruben Ruben Loftus Cheek. 
I don't know what he's there for. And Conor Gallagher, <laughs> Jesus Lord, have mercy. He fooled me. Huh? He got me. He got me. Now he, he he actually fooled me. Like at Crystal Palace, and when he came back to Chelsea, I said, "Wow, Conor, you really fooled me. You hoodwinked me. I'll never be got again. I'll never be got again." Respect my club. We make players better, and then they go and die because they want to go and get earn big money, thinking they're going to play Champions League football. Mm. You silly boy. Where we wanted you in the summer, anyway. He sh- yep, he should have. He should have stayed at Palace. He should have said, "I won that move," because I mean, obviously they sold him. They sold him a, a dream, and they said, "Yep, you know." And he's getting minutes. To be fair to him, he's playing. It's not like he's not playing. He is playing, but You're boy, does, does he not look good? He does not look good at all. Um, I just don't know what's next for Chelsea personally. But um, Havertz, in my opinion, the best thing to happen to him is for him to leave this summer. I don't know where he'd go to, but I feel like he needs to think smartly about who wants him. Because he will be wanted, and wherever he goes, needs to find a system, a manager that plays a system that will work for him. Because the guy is very, very talented, and Chelsea didn't buy him. You end up in Syria. Is it will work for him? I think it will work for him. I think that worked for him. Um, he was obviously wanted big time for big money because he was producing the goods at Leverkusen. He's a good player, so we need to find out what's going on. Oh, well, for my sake, anyway, not for his sake, for my own personal sake. I hope he's, he's still got it in him and he goes somewhere and shines because if he doesn't. Listen, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm finished. You know what I'm saying? So, one of my boys, one of my boys said that he's giving me until the the summer of 2025 for this guy to improve before he just all the clips of me bigging him up. So <laughs> you, yeah. you threw the bag at Havertz, bro. I went Havertz. I went Havertz at United Wait. before he went Chelsea. The summer of 2025. That's oh, seven yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's listen, and he's someone that will do it. He's very, very. <laughs> He's very, very seven, particular. With, with in his his seven years. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, He's given. He's particular with his threats to his mandem. When he gets to his mandem, he's like, "Yeah, man, I, I've listened to what you said. So, okay, let's see what's going on." Have us one Champions League. I went to the group chat, talking that big talk. He said he better continue next season, and he didn't continue. So now he says he's giving me another another two years for the guy to improve. And if he doesn't improve, my time on the timeline, hey, it's not going to be fun for me. So hey, let's, let's see what happens, man. It's what happens. But um, Chelsea lose, Spurs win. We can talk about Spurs very quickly. Uh, Rich, Tottenham are a very weird club, but they are in the top <laughs> they four. They are very weird. They're very weird club, but they are in the top four. Do you think they're going to make it? No. No, still, no. Rams is second ahead as well, no? Not for you as well? I don't think you so. Said, no, I don't think so. Um... I think there's that. Bro, they need to be scared of clubs. Like, I think they need to be scared of Fulham. They need to be scared of Newcastle. They need to take Newcastle actually seriously. Like, I know mm. they've had a dip. They need to be scared of Brighton. Brighton are, are moving their way up. Like, there's yep. there's clubs that are playing good football, um, scoring lots of goals, and are, you know, hitting cl- the bigger teams in transition and stuff like that. And obviously, that's how you win. When you're a smaller club, you go and you play in, the, in on the break. But um, I'm going to say this now, yeah? They'll finish below, below Liverpool. I think they might as well. Oh my! And I'm not saying I'm Liverpool are going to get top. I'm not saying that they're getting top four on Liverpool, but Spurs will finish below Liverpool. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, interested, I'm interested to know why. I'm interested to know why because <laughs> Liverpool are because looking bad. It's the history of the Tottenham. It's the Spurs. They're Spursy, isn't it? They're Spursy. I think as well. Like the thing is, yeah. I think, and I think that World Cup, right? It made made things so clear for me. Yeah, is that like the truth is. Those big players that Tottenham have are not big players, right? When you need them to step up, when you need them to continue to do 
the things that they've been doing week over week, month over month, in those important moments, they're going to fluff their lines. And that is going to be the difference. For me, that's going to be the difference. Harry Kane doesn't have the bottle. He's not with it. Son doesn't have the bottle. He's not with it. Richarlison doesn't have the bottle. He's not with it. They don't he's still have the bottle. He's not scored, has he? Nope, still he's hasn't scored. Him. 60 million. You know if he was Forget Man United, we'd be seeing this every week. Every week, we'd be reminding ourselves. Natata has one league goal. Oh, I need to run an agenda. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Please start cooking. We will join you. So, yeah, like, I just think that they just don't have it. They just don't have it. The time that they had it, they lost to it to Leicester, and that was it. All of those guys, if you look at it, everybody else left, um, yep. the people serious who wanted to go win stuff and say, you know what, I can't waste my whole life being second or nearly third or nearly fourth and being patted on the back. They've said, I'm going to play football and I'm going to win. Christian Eriksen died and came back to life and won a trophy before Harry Kane. <laughs> I saw that today. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's That's... That's insane. Uh, Modric, uh, Modric said, I'm out. I'm leaving Spurs. He's got five, he's got five Champions Leagues and a Ballon d'Or. The serious people know you're not winning anything at Spurs, so let me go. Rand, let's put that Christian Eriksen one in context because not only did he die, meet Jesus and, and make God say, hey, how are you doing? He came back and signed for two clubs. <laughs> Went to Inter Milan. Including Brentford. He paid for Brentford, didn't he? Yes. And still, <laughs> one or two before Harry Kane, and that's and that's it. And they'll talk about Harry Kane like he's the greatest striker that England has ever produced, and he might be. But for what? What is the point? You are that's equal. It. Actually, you're less than. What's that gunman from Sunderland, Kevin? Oh, Kevin oh, Phillips. Sure. Kevin Phillips. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Kevin Phillips. You have less trophies than Kevin Phillips. Okay, you can say Kevin Phillips won promotions, but that's a trophy. You don't have any. You don't have nothing. Nothing. Like, he's proper bragging about this Shearer record, which is a great achievement, but at least Shearer won a Premier League title. Yeah. You know, yeah. Harry Kane needs to get out this summer. I would eat, Listen, I know it. The, the all time, he's 60 goals away, isn't he? I know that's an achievement. Leave Tottenham and win a trophy, even if it means go to, to Turkey. Yeah, just go and win a trophy. <laughs> go so like, it makes no sense to stay at Spurs just to say I'm the all-time Premier League goal scorer. Okay, <laughs> with what trophy? With what medal? Personally, anyway. personally, personally, I, I think he do great. It. I think he do great at Man United, but that's just me. Oh my! <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. No, no, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I'll tell you why because there have been people who have come to that club. And they tell you that. Do you what? I don't know if you guys saw the diary of the CEO with um, Jesse Lingard, where he talks about it and he says that like the biggest players come and they just look ordinary. And I feel like Harry Kane doesn't have it up here. He doesn't have it up here because if he had it up here, he'd be at Real Madrid right now celebrating his fourth Ballon d'Or. That's what he'd be doing. I hear it. That's what he'd be doing. If he had it up here, he's 20, he's 30. He's literally 30 this year. He's not a small yeah. boy. And to go and sign a six-year contract with no release clause, you are insane. You are absolutely insane. Even me, my 12-year-old son said, Mommy, I've got a six-year contract, no release clause. I'll say, hey, what do they think this is? They better put a release clause in there because if you're too good for them, we need to get you out of there. And it's like, that just shows where he is. That's his level. He's never going above that. He may be one of the greatest strikers in the world. He may be, but you know, he's you not know built for the big time. You know what finished me is when he came out on big TV and said, I had a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy. <laughs> the devil himself. <laughs> Honestly. 
And that's why he's just, that's why I don't want him. I don't want him at my United. He's too old as well, anyway. I don't want him. Fair enough. I mean, my, my opinion is different, but I hear it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, you're, you're making, you're making, you're making fair points that I can't, I'm not, I can't really argue. The age thing is definitely a factor. The, the, the mentality thing, because I, I would like to think that he really wants to win. I feel like he does, but he doesn't have the idea that he, he should do it away from Tottenham, which baffles me. But thirdly, thirdly, this is actually the, um, this is the reason why when you're a big, big time player, you don't let family do your business for you. Don't, don't let that happen. In my personal opinion, I just, that's just how I feel. Um, my nephew's really good at football and he, it looks like he's going to be, he's been scouted by a lot of clubs. So it looks like he's going to go somewhere. And if he makes it, Lord willing, to the big, big time, and he asks me to be his agent, I'm going to tell him, no, go and get a proper agent because I ain't going to be me. Because all I'm going to do is make sure that you play for Man United, even if they're not the best <laughs> team in the world. So, hey, just for your benefit, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but we'll run through the rest of the games quickly. Um, we have some conscious of time. Um, Everton nil, Aston Villa 2. So Aston Villa get their customary win before they lose the next three. Um, Leeds well, hopefully we got them next. <laughs> oh well, so there you go. Your win's coming. Um, Leeds won Southampton nil. Southampton blame Nathan Jones. Believe me, not a good coach, but you're not a good team either. You're going down. Um, West Ham are back to blowing bubbles as they beat Nottingham Forest 4 0. Was not a happy return for Jesse Lingard, but hey man, the guy can dance, so who cares? And um, I believe on Friday, it was a game on Friday, wasn't there? Uh yeah, was there a game on Friday? No, there wasn't, was there? Yeah, Fulham versus Wolves. That's it. Sorry, yeah, Fulham versus Wolves. Um, and that was a one-one game. Good game, to be fair. Um, two good yeah. sides. Um, before you, go, I'll let you guys go. Uh, other than Southampton, I'm just gonna just say that for everybody right now that's listening for you guys, they're going down. So, two more clubs to join Southampton in the drop. Who are your favourites for the the drop zone, Rich? Bournemouth. Okay. And I'm torn between Everton and Leeds. I don't know which one. Do you think Sean Dyche can, can pull it out of the bag to keep them up? Everton. I backs. think they're doing to Burnley down, but um, I'm going to say Leeds. Okay, Leeds. Southampton, so, Bournemouth, Leeds. Southampton, Bournemouth, Leeds to go down. Okay. Um, funny enough, the gap between 19th and 12th, which is where Palace are, is six points. Yeah. So it is tight. It is very tight. So it is an interesting um, relegation battle. Um, Rance, for you as well? Yeah, I think Southampton are definitely going down. I actually think Nottingham Forest will go down as well. And I think that it might be Everton for the first time in their Premier League career. Might, they might be done. That's what I think. But we'll see. All right. So, Sean Dash looks like a superhero. You're not, you're, not, you're not Sam Allardyce. You're just Sean Dash, really. But we'll see what happens there. Um, he's a... Go on. Now, I was going to say he's a, he's a fake Sam Allardyce. Old and hard, but no bottle. That's what I think. Bold and hard, but no ball. You know what? I think that's that's a nice way to to finish it. Actually, <laughs> um, a lot of big games next week. There are some midweek fixtures, so I'll just read out for the, the people in the, uh, listening as well. Arsenal play Everton, Liverpool play Wolves. Uh, this FA Cup business as well. Um, Burnley and Fleetwood are still playing. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Say less. Um, 
And then next Saturday, just pick out the big game, Man City versus Newcastle. Um, Rich's Aston, um, Crystal Palace go to Aston Villa, so they go to Villa Park. And obviously, Rans, the big, big game at Anfield next week. It is Liverpool versus Manchester United. Um, so before you go, score predictions. Rich, for Palace at Villa, what are you saying? <laughs> and then if we could get our shooting boots on uh, 2-1 Palace. 2-1 Palace. Would, would, would Matata score in this game? No, could he be on the bench? Okay, there you go. All right, so no Matata goals. So don't put him part of your FPL team. And if someone has, yeah, man, FPL's not for you. Um, if you and, put him in, expect minus. Yeah, exactly that. Friends, <laughs> um, Anfield, always a dodgy fixture. But what are you saying for that game? I'm going to say 3-1 United. Yeah, but I'd like a five-piece. So Marcus Rashford, if you're listening, please, hat-trick, Please, I need a five-piece at Anfield. I need them to shut up all the way, just to go away and leave me alone. But yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 United. I think Liverpool will turn up, but we'll still have too much on the break for them. So yeah. So 3-1 Man United and 2-1 Palace. Either way, it's going to be another entertaining weekend next week. Still seeing the defence. What's your score prediction? For me? Oh, Man United. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to host and go away. And these guys are saying, nah, man, you're not doing that. You're not doing that today. Um... I predict a 2-0 win for Man United at Anfield. And if, yeah, yeah, I don't think we'll concede. And for Palace, I think you win that game 3-1. Rather. Um, and trust me when I say this, I cannot wait to see the Tyrone Mings own goal. Just a personal agenda of mine. That's all. Just a personal agenda of mine. That's all. Because I feel like I feel like people think he's good because he's tall and big and has a mean mug. But really and truly, he, he, he's 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 no better than Pascal Sigan. But anyway, um, that's it for the free before podcast. Um, before these guys go, their links are in the bio. But of course, we always allow themselves to plug anything they're doing, any channels they're part of. Um, so we'll do ladies first, of course. Rans, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yes. Plug whatever you want to plug. Um, I don't have anything to plug, but everybody follow me on Twitter at Miss Riri. In case we do the quadruple, you're gonna want to see because history will be made that day and I will be there cooking. So yeah, at Miss Riri on Twitter, follow me. Um, and I'll see you guys again soon, hopefully. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. And Rich, of course, please plug yourself, bro. No, I appreciate it. Uh the, the call up to that, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, find me on Eagle Eye Football on YouTube. Uh, that's the predominantly Crystal Palace content. But we do have a calling show on Sunday for any fan to come in and have their say as well. Um, the Twitter is there. I've been practicing the point because I normally get this wrong. Um, but that's the Twitter out there. Uh, that's obviously me, you Rans. God, you'll keep up the hard work. And um, yeah, appreciate you all. Awesome, thank you. And for myself, of course, Kojo. Um, my personal one is Kojo Free Midfield, so you can follow me on my personal. Um, but Free Midfield podcast, all of your audios, that's your SoundClouds and all that, socials, uh, Twitter, and even TikTok, which I need to be more active of because I'm starting to learn how to use TikTok. It's quite fun. It's, good, it's a good tool. So, you know, whenever have, have fun posting some football stuff and some stuff that just don't concern football, you might see me just eating jollof on there and just you have to find that is what it is. And, um, <laughs> YouTube as well, free midfield podcast as well for everything. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Have a lovely week. And um, for any Man United fans, 
I hope you have a beautiful week. Mm. Amen. Thank amen. you. I amen. Amen. I <laughs> Bye. <laughs>